What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Menu TV Reviews. I am your host, Mon. Today, we will be discussing Snowfall, Season 6, Episode 5, titled Ebony and Ivory. You guys, oh my goodness. I know I was supposed to come back this weekend, but I had a good old time with my friends and my family. Y'all, I missed y'all so much. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Okay, so... We have reached over 900 downloads. You guys, we are doing it, okay? We're doing it, okay? Little old podcast like us. All right, you guys, so I think I'm going to try to do something special, um, but we're growing slowly but surely, so I'm going to wait till we get to like 950 to uh, announce something special that I'm going to try to do for you guys, so... Once we get to that point, I will let you know. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode, okay? So we start off the episode with V and her mom, Cassandra. They are reminiscing on old times as they sit in this car, honey, waiting to scope out for Teddy's dad. And so Cassandra was like, what do you think about Barbados? And so they take a trip down memory lane about all the good times that they had um you know out of the country for a little bit and Cassandra just wants to make sure that her unborn grandchild is able to see the world okay let them know that there is nothing off limits <sighs> yes expose your children to as much as you can while they are little you guys so they're taking this trip down memory lane and then V makes the comment that she's not sure if Franklin feels up to planning anything special for the holidays because Cassandra was saying that she wanted to try to do something special for the holidays, like take a nice trip. And so when V makes that statement, she's like, you know what, um, is there a backup plan just in case this one doesn't work? Because Franklin is up against the CIA and... We got to make sure that we're going to be straight. And so, of course, V doesn't want to hear anything that her mom has to say. But she was like, look, we always plan for the worst. And I know a thousand Franklins because V was like, oh, so you want to talk about Franklin? What about all of the poopy men that you've had come into your life that I've had to put up with? And so she was like, I guess that makes me an expert on poopy men. So... She's like, let me tell you, honey, men like Franklin, they're just like garage uh, garage sale jigsaw puzzles, okay? There's always something missing. They always want more, and they're going to keep going after it no matter what the cost is, okay? And I mean, she might have them pegged to a T. I'm just saying, Franklin at this point is willing to risk everything to get this money back, um, including the lives of the people that love him. So... She was just like, Mom, stop. And so Cassandra was like, no, you need to hear this. And she was like, no, stop, look. And so they end up seeing Teddy's dad. Teddy's dad is being ushered somewhere by um, some guy, maybe a caregiver that's assisting him. He stops to catch his breath, and he was like, I don't need your help. <laughs> y'all, Teddy's dad's days num- are number, y'all. Who y'all think gonna take them out? You think it's gonna be Franklin? You think it's gonna be Cassandra and them? I don't know what the end game is for sending them there. Maybe it's just to get the information for the bank accounts. I'm not sure, but we'll find out soon enough. So Franklin ends up getting in contact with V. V lets him know that she's got eyes on Teddy's dad, but he needs to come quick if they want to, you know, keep track, keep tabs on him. And so. He was like, okay, cool, give me 24 hours. Don't say I love you, no nothing. He just says, thanks for being hang up in her face. Okay, all right, Franklin. So, turns around, and he's going to get ready to tell Kane that he's got to go. But Kane is like, look, I understand that you got stuff to do, but the place that was just shot up, that was my girl spot. Like, she could have been there her kid could have been there all this could have went left so you know what i want to do before you take off i want to handle your freaking uncle okay use that brain of yours because i know you know 
more than just what's outside of um, them being at the club, okay, and all them people guarding, guarding them with all these Uzis, okay, waiting at the door for people to pop up. I know you know more than that, okay? So until you figure out how to handle this situation, it's going to be a long night. You ain't going nowhere. So just then, we see that um, it's some horses on the TV or something like that. And so it seems like Franklin may have come up with an idea based off of what he saw on the TV, but we don't see what it is just yet. So hold that thought. Speaking of the freaking uncle, okay, Buckley comes to Jerome and Louis' spot, and he he like hey look y'all done came up in the world this is nice digs okay and so he's sniffing okay we know he used to um have an addiction to the coke okay to the crack whatever and so he had an addiction right so he come in there sniffing and he's telling them that Kane got out and not only that, but they're not going to believe who pulled him out. And so he goes on to tell them that Franklin was the one who pulled Kane out. And so Jerome and Louie are like, so Franklin busted his way up out of there? Like he was busting shots off? Yeah, he was. Saved Kane's life. And so Louie is like, oh my God, how did we miss? And so Buckley was like, look, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they miss, but, you know, I'm just going to keep my ear low to the ground until I get more information. And so, remind you, he's still sniffing, right? So, Jerome was like, because he went to go pour him a drink. So, Jerome was like, you using again? And so, Buckley sit out and look at him. He was like, you using? And so, Jerome was like, look, I done told you, stay off of that stuff, you know, while while we're trying to get all this figured out. So basically, if you start using again, ain't no use in you coming back around this way. So, yeah, they're going to have to come up with a, another plan to try to take out Kane. Hopefully not Franklin, but they definitely going to try to continue to get rid of Kane until somebody fall. Y'all, I think this is going to end up backfiring and Jerome going to get got. He's going to get caught up in the crosshairs, but... We'll see. So Wanda is going to go get a frozen pack of peas from the freezer to go put on Lee's eye, okay? This is after him and Big D's fight, okay? Big D got some shots off. Now Leon a little busted up a little bit, okay? But he don't need to go to no doctor. He all right? And so Wanda was like, you just want to keep being dumb out here in these streets? So we get a knock at the door. And it's Rennie. Rennie and Einstein have come and they like, look, um, I respect you for what you did. A lot of people respect you for what you did, but the soldiers gotta eat, okay? People gotta eat, product needs to be had, and money needs to be made. And we know that Big D done took all the money and the product and went to his girl's house that's a little bit ways away from the PJs. So he was like, I'm sure he'll be back. It's just a matter of time, okay? But we need to figure out who gonna lead us. And so Lee was like, was it better before or after I went to Africa? And so Rennie don't say nothing for a second. And then he was like, hmm? And so Rennie was like, look, Lee, I respect you for everything that you did for us. But you kind of confusing, like you you two-facing out here, okay? You dropping bodies left and right, but then you, you want to do peace talks. Like, that's confusing as hell. So then you want to sell drugs, and then, I mean, you want to make money, but you don't want to, like, corrupt the community with drugs. Like, it's confusing. So if you're going to be here, be here because we need to know that we're going to be good, like we're going to be looked after. That's all the people want. And so Lee was like, well, what what you what you proposing? Like, if y'all want the crown, y'all can come take it. And so he was like, don't even say that because there's so many people that would do anything to get their hands on that crown, okay? But because of you, you know, what you did for us, like, 
I guess they would want Lee or Big D to run stuff. At least they knew with Big D that wasn't nobody going to mess with them. So they just basically need confirmation that everything is going to be straight. And so Lee get up because Wanda makes the comment, why stop now? So Lee get up, go outside, and Wanda, Rennie, and Einstein are behind him. And so he basically just call every dude out that's there that want to take a shot at him. He was like, okay, if you want want to take a shot at the crown now's your chance okay i ain't stopping you anybody gonna speak up anybody gonna step up because everybody can get these problems nobody say nothing and so he was like y'all pathetic man tomorrow we get back to making money the right way okay and so then as he walks back into the house we see wanda and she is so teary-eyed because this is not what she wanted oh and Rennie had made the comment that he left, he left with a crackhead, but brought her back as his wife. So we know that Wanda has been dealing with her own struggles as far as her staying clean. So of course, this is not going to make the situation better in any type of way. So Wanda, you may have to get out, girl, and save yourself. If Lee, I don't know, y'all. I don't know, but we'll find out. So Gustavo finally comes back to the house after his meeting with uh, Ruben and he's ready to spill his guts to Chamara or Zamara, but he pronounced it as Chamara. So he comes inside and of course her mom goes in, okay? <laughs> she was like, the nerve of you showing your face around here after what you put my daughter through. And so of course she was like, stop mom. So her and Gustavo end up talking outside in the car, and he tells her everything. And so she was like, why didn't you tell me? He was like, I wanted to protect you and the boys. And she was like, you still should have told me. And so he says that tomorrow they're going to be raiding the warehouse, and then after that he has to go into witness protection. And they, you know, have the discussion about her and the boys going, her and the boys not going, and she says that she can't live that type of life, okay, she can't always be feeling like she's trapped, um, waiting on the DEA to slip up just so the CIA can come after them after that, like, she just can't live that type of life, always looking over her shoulder, you know, just being constantly paranoid about everything and who's out to get her, and so he says, well, if you're going to get out, you need to run tonight because, like I said, they're going to raid the warehouse tomorrow. And so she was like, I'm not running either. I, and so he was like, well, what do you want? And she was like, one, that's a luxury that I can't afford right now. What I need is a life. I need a boring life. And you're going to figure out how to make that happen for me, you, and the boys. Okay, so we need to come up with a game plan. And so that's that um i don't know how gustavo is going to get out of this one but speaking of gustavo we see teddy teddy is talking to his handler over at the cia havemeyer and he's going over the intel that he got for um when he followed gustavo and ruben and so he shows havemeyer pictures of ruben and he was like he doesn't look like he's um European he looks like he's from Central America and so Teddy is like he's probably KGB and so hey Meyer was like do you think um Gustavo turned or whatever and so he was like no you know usually with these things you meet up in a crowded bar so I'm assuming that's probably the initial approach but I will say that I've noticed that Gustavo has been off for the last month or so and so he was like okay well what you want us to do and so Teddy asked, can Havemeyer get surveillance set up over at, I guess, Gustavo's house, if I'm not mistaken? Um, he says the residence, so I'm going to assume that it's Gustavo's house. And so he was like, until then, let's just play it close to the vest because I'm not sure who I can trust right now. So at least he doesn't think that Gustavo has completely flipped, but he does have his suspicions. So we'll see. Hopefully they can rate the warehouse before Teddy catches on. So Sissy is at the shelter and she's helping everybody who needs an, you know, a leg up. And um she's talking to Franklin and Franklin is wanting her to leave for a little bit, get away for a little bit, get out of harm's way. 
just in case because this stuff with Kane and Jerome and them is getting really really serious and he's not sure you know who's gonna get caught up in the crosshairs and so he just wants to keep her safe and so she was like I'm not running we've already had this discussion before I'm tired running I'm gonna stay here where I can help out and so he reminds her of just a few years ago how she was basically working herself to death for a boss that was like harassing her you know just overworking her just being a complete ass to her and so she was like okay but how is this life any better at this point i'm not leaving and so he was like why are you not leaving because you felt bad that you didn't disown me once i started selling drugs at the fact that you helped me you you know make this life a reality and helped us you know um buy legally purchase buildings and you know try to make generational wealth real to try to get out and actually enjoy life and so she was like yeah she felt bad for all of that and so at this point sissy is feeling so guilty that she's she doesn't care if she lives or dies because of all of the destruction that's happened and so he was like look i love you and i really just want you to reconsider and so we'll see what happens if Sissy's going to stay or she's going to go. But I believe Sissy's going to end up staying. So over to Gustavo. Gustavo and Teddy are meeting up. And we see Teddy with those damn aviators on, okay? And he reaches inside the glove compartment. He grabs um, a syringe of some sort. So I'm not sure what it, what it contains. But he grabs a syringe, right? So... As he's doing that, Gustavo pulls up and Gustavo tells him, look, two nights ago, um, there was a guy that that followed me to the bar after me and Shamar had had a fight. And he told me that I had to make a decision within X amount of hours to give you up, basically confirming that the CIA has been selling drugs inside the United States to um, fund a war. And so he wants Teddy to move the product, move all of the money, move all of that. And so Teddy is like, he's not going to get us. And so Gustavo's like, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so Teddy ends up telling him that the dude is KGB. And usually with those types of people, they they work alone illegally. Okay. And so um, because of that, and because he knew of Ruben, because he had followed them the other night, he already moved everything from the warehouse. And so, of course, Gustavo is like, when? And as I mentioned just a second ago, Teddy tells him when he moved it because he had saw Ruben. And so Teddy is like, I'm glad that you told me, Gustavo. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that you told me because we know that Teddy probably would have took Gustavo as hell because he can't trust anybody what was in the syringe Teddy were you finna get ready to put Gustavo to sleep yeah so I don't know what's gonna happen with the DEA because we know that the DEA is supposed to be moving on the warehouse now so I'm not sure what's gonna happen to Gustavo at this point because he was supposed to give them the warehouse and so does that mean that Gustavo's going to get hemmed up in jail or I don't know what's going to happen at this point. So we see that V and Cassandra are at a nursing home of some sorts, I believe. Um, they're at Teddy's uh, dad's nursing home, assisted living facility. And so they go there under the guise that maybe uh, V is wanting to have her mom uh signed up here so she can so she can go uh stay at the assisted living facility and so um of course you know she's talking to the administrator and they come back of course they're making you know light jokes or whatever the case may be breaking ice and she was like miss cassandra she didn't call her miss cassandra she called her miss cooper miss cooper can i see your daughter for a few more minutes while we go fill out paperwork and so cassandra was like yeah sure and so as they go to fill out the paperwork for her um she gets up and she walks down the hall she goes to teddy's dad's room and then she looks out the window and she sees that teddy's dad is outside enjoying the weather 
Okay. So then um, we go over to Tony Nim. Tony is gearing up with the rest of his DEA crew when he gets a phone call and it's Gustavo telling them to call it off. And so he was like, what? Why? And so, um, of course, Gustavo says that Teddy thinks that the KGB is onto them, so he's moved all of the product. Doesn't give Tony a chance to respond or ask any other questions. He hangs up, he hangs up on Tony. So then we go over to um, Kane and his crew. They have been apparently riding around trying to find whichever horse uh, ranch Louie visits to go ride the horses, and they finally found it. And so the guy has given him the slip that this is the one that Louie comes to, but she probably won't be there because she knows that it's people out looking for her, okay? And so he says, well, you know, since you guys will be here day and night, um, basically waiting on her to get here, Kane wants her alive. So, I don't know, y'all. What he want her alive for so he can kill Jerome in her face? Ooh. I don't think Jerome is going to make it out, y'all. I see this happening, so he's going to try to end up kidnapping Louie, going to kill Jerome in front of her, and then kill her off. Ooh, I hope that don't happen, but that might be some predictable writing, but we'll see how it goes down. So Cassandra, a.k.a. Mrs. Cooper, goes outside where she sees Teddy's dad, Max, sitting, and she pulls out a cigarette. And he was like, ain't no smoking here. And she was like, I won't tell if you won't. And so he ends up saying, ask me why I'm here. And so she does. She obliges. And he says that he's got lung cancer. He's already lost a lung. And so she tries to convince him to have one more cigarette. I mean, one more cigarette ain't going to put you out the other lung. I mean, am I right or am I right? So she ends up asking him, um, to, you know, just information about the place. And he tells her that he had been um, a prisoner of war POW um, in Korea, butterball naked for over a month in his birthday suit. Survived, survived all of that. Okay. And then he says that he would rather do that than spend one more day there. And so he was like, you're pretty young to be here. And she was like, do you have any black friends? <laughs> and he was like, excuse me, what do you mean? And she was like, I guess not. Because, I mean, if you knew a lot of black people, you know that we age like fine wine. Okay. And she ain't lying. So... She's asked him um, if he has any kids. He says, yes, he's got two kids, and that's the reason why he's there. And then um, she says that her daughter is the reason why she's there, of course. You know, because of their strained relationship, her daughter basically isn't giving her any type of chances <laughs> to try to make it any more independently on her own. And so that's why she's there. And so after he says that he would rather be a prisoner of war than spend one more day here, she was like, you want to bust out? And he was like, how we going to do that? We ain't got no ride. We can't walk nowhere. We can't walk that far. And she pulls some car keys out of her purse. And she was like, my daughter's going to notice that they're missing after a while. But by the time she's finished, we'll already be in the wind. And so, as V is signing the paperwork, we see Cassandra and Mac get into the car, and off they go. So then we see Big D. He then came into Louie and Jerome's bar establishment, and he's basically telling them about what happened with Leon, and he says that he run the PJs, okay? Yesterday, today, tomorrow, that's his, that's his shit, right? And so he tells them that, of course, since him and Leon are going at it, but he runs the PJs, and because of his relationship that he has with Jerome, he expects Jerome and Louis to starve Leon out. 
And so Lee, uh, Jerome doesn't even get the chance to respond. Louie is like, look, I don't think you know what this is, but we don't play into them type of games. We supply to whoever is able to move the product and have the cash up front. We don't care about that little beat. And so Big D was like, look, I ain't trying to sound disrespectful, but I ain't talking to you. <laughs> and so he basically like charged Jerome up like, you gonna let your little bitch call the shots now? Or uh, do me and you got some business to take care of? And so he excuses Louie because she's like, excuse me? So he excuses Louie and he tells his men to get out. And so Jerome reiterates that he ain't trying to have no parts in what him and Leon got going on. And so he was like, what you mean? You know, I can take Leon out or whatever. And so Jerome was like, okay, so what after that? And so Big D was like, what do you mean? And he was like, what happens after you take Leon out? Like, these little kids is coming up under us, the next generation, they don't have no honor. They don't have no type of code about themselves. Ain't no decorum. Ain't no respect, okay? We the last of a dying breed. And so he looks at Jerome and was like, dying breed, that's you. Um, no, he said, you OG, that's you, or something like that. And then he was like, dying breed, that's not me. And so I don't know what's going to happen. So Big D end up leaving out. Jerome come, uh, Louis comes back in to check on Jerome to make sure everything was okay. And the more and more he think about it, he, he see where it's going. It's only getting worse. And that's what he told Big D. It's only getting worse. And I ain't talking about the police. Like, it's the youngins out here that we gotta worry about. We ain't gotta worry about the cops. We got that shit under control. But it's these little kids. Like, I can't get with it. And so, as she's checking on him, he zones out and he was like, you know what? I'm out. And so she was like, where are you going? You can't go by yourself. And he was like, I'm leaving. Y'all, <laughs> I don't think Jerome going to make it out. <laughs> I don't know. So Cassandra and Mac, who is Teddy's dad, are in the living room at, um, I'm assuming, who is her daughter's house. and um, Or maybe Mrs. Cooper's house before. <laughs> before B tried to commit her mama to the assisted living facility. And um, they got some music playing in the background. So Cassandra tries to get up and have Mac dance with her. And he does for a split second, but of course, because of the cancer, he gets exasperated pretty quickly. And so he ends up sitting down. And so she goes to go grab him a glass of water. And she asks him, do his boys know how well or maybe not he's doing and he tells her that he lost his youngest son a few years ago we remember that he died um in one of those plane crashes and then she says well what about your oldest son and he was like eh, I, I don't think you want to hear about that you know it ain't enough time in the day to talk about that and so she was like you know what actually I think I would like to hear about it if you don't mind telling me and so she's just trying to get more information out of him and then um we go over to Wanda Wanda is at the shelter with Sissy and she sees a young girl and I'm I think these might be her siblings but the the girl is getting on to her siblings about not sitting still this that and the third um, you know, it's just a little bit of tension. And so Wanda comes over and tries to scold her for getting onto the kids, you know, for just being kids. And Sissy comes in because um, the girl and Wanda start to get into it a little bit. And Sissy comes in and breaks it up. And so she tells the kids to go um, change clothes, go with uh, Mr. Juggle, get some changed clothes, get, get a warm meal and get some more toys to go play with. So this delights the kids that go do what they're told. Um, and the girl has some time to herself to, you know, just have a little bit of peace of mind. And so Wanda comes and, um, she's with Sissy and she's commending her on how well she does with seeing the best in people. It kind of reminds her of Alton when Wanda was trying to get clean. Um, he used to always see the best in people. And so then Sissy is like, you know what? 
I commend you for healing, just being able to heal throughout this whole process with all of this other random shit going on. Like, you're still able to stay focused and, you know, keep the task at hand to stay clean. So, she, um, Wanda says, hopefully one day she'll be able to see the best in people like Sissy does. Okay, she ain't there quite yet, but she working on it. So hopefully she'll be able to get there one day and maybe she'll be able to take over the shelter. Um, oh Lord, I hope nothing happens to Sissy, but just in case, you know, she has aspirations to try to do something like this to give back to the community, just like Alton and Sissy are doing currently. So Jerome comes through to uh, his homeboy shop. And it's somebody he knows from around the way for a real long time, right? They probably, like, ran the streets together, this, that, and the third, right? So, Jerome comes through saying, hey, I need my car fixed up today. It ain't running like it's supposed to, and so I thought I'd bring it to the magician, okay? I know you know how to work on cars. We got it. So, dude was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to it today. You know, it's kind of busy around here. And so, Jerome was looking around and was like, that's okay, I got time, I, you know, I, I'm, I've been missing it, I'll stay here and help you get the, get the workload down so you can work on my car today, I just need it up and running today, and so dude was like, okay, cool, you know, stick around, help out, and, um, we'll have you up in no time, and so Jerome was like, you got anything to drink, he was like, yeah, I got some brown, so it seems like, from the looks the dude was giving off that um he kind of nervous about Jerome being there but because they go way 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 back and Jerome is insisting on staying around and helping the day that he's gonna let Jerome stick around the shop for a little bit so we go over to uh Cassandra and Mac now they're sitting down and they're discussing their past with their kids and how everything worked out you know with their spouses and family wise and so Mac is saying that um you know, after um, Teddy and his brother's mom died, that he just didn't want to look for love anymore. And then we have Cassandra who says that um, V's dad, it didn't work out with him. And by the time they had looked up, 10 years had gone by and they got married and tried to work it, work it out, but it just didn't work. It didn't work in their favor. And so by the time they were getting ready to uh, separate, she was so pissed at him that she just didn't even want to think about looking at him anymore. So they didn't even worry about signing divorce papers. So technically, she's still married um, unless something happened to V's dad, which I'm not sure what's going on with that. I'm not sure what the history is. But either way, she said that um, so after that, she didn't give up on love. She kept looking in all the wrong places to try to just find a, a good stand in for V. And she ended up getting all these shitty men, of course. And so, that was that. And so, Mac is Mac tells her, you know, at least from the looks of it, from what he saw um, at the facility, that she raised her daughter enough to um, to at least have some type of relationship to where the daughter is willing to make sure that she's taken care of because she um cassandra was saying that while she was looking for love in all the wrong places and trying to find a replacement um stepdad for v she basically neglected v and left her to fend for herself and by the time she looked up v was too old to even need her at that point you know she had grown up and she raised herself basically and she didn't need cassandra anymore by the time cassandra had came around to wanting to be a mom to her so, Mac, like I said, commends her for at least having a close enough relationship or trying to at least make things right, even if it was a little bit later on, um, to where V is willing to put her in a facility to make sure that she's taken care of. He just wishes that he would have taken those same, those same type of opportunities to mend his relationship with his kids. So, one of them is already gone, but, you know, at this point, Teddy and his relationship, their relationship seemed strained because of what happened to the, the younger brother, so yeah. It's just, it's a sucky situation. So then we go back over to Jerome and his homeboy. They're at the shop, and um, they start talking about 
how this year is the Lakers time. They got Kareem, they got Magic, they got Worthy. You know, it's time for them to win a ring. Okay, so they're talking sports and then they venture off of that. And then we start talking about families. And we hear that his homeboy, who he used to run the streets with, ended up with three kids. And Jerome was like, man, considering the fact that you told me that you would never settle down, he was like, man, I used to say a whole bunch of stuff back then. You know, you, you know, when you're younger, you're like, ooh, I don't never want to have no kids. Ooh, you know, I want to live forever. I don't never want to be tied down. And then you look up and then here we are, right? So they're discussing all those times. And then Jerome brings up the fact that, of course, they used to run the streets together. And who would have thought, right? And so, dude was like, well, you know, my kids don't want to know about that. That's that's history. That's ancient history. They don't care nothing about that as long as I'm, I'm there now. And so, Jerome starts looking around um, because something happened to, oh, it's a car that keeps driving by. So, this car done drove by twice, right? And so, his friend takes note and mentions that that's the second time that the car done drove around. And so, Jerome goes to the go to the trunk y'all he popped the trunk and pulled that thing out right so he go to go try to find the car and then homeboy's like hey jerome like what you doing man don't do that don't do that and so jerome come back and was like huh what you mean and he was like man i love you brother and so then um he tells jerome that he's sorry because jerome ends up bringing up the fact that they only had two cars at the shop okay so you you busy but you ain't that busy to where you couldn't take my services today you couldn't you know take my money today so you could fix my car you're not that busy bro and so he was like look the reality is i got people that i need that are depending on me to come home tonight okay they expected me to come home they're depending on me for their livelihood so they can survive i'm just trying to get home so he, he basically trying to tell jerome hey don't do all that shooting shit over here don't bring your shit to my shop and so Jerome look around and he looking at old Sammy over there like, oh my God, like <laughs> clutching the, the car cable, <laughs> Lord, the timing bell. And so he was like, man, you right. I'm sorry for messing up y'all's day. And he ends up handing his homeboy the money for fixing his car. And dude was like, you know what? I don't even need that. And so he was like, yeah, you know what? I think you actually do. You need it more than I do. And so he ends up taking the money, and um, he gets in the car, and he heads off, y'all. I, I just think Jerome was trying to, you know, take take a stroll back down memory lane and trying to, you know, look at it from a different perspective. Because him and his homeboy, yeah, they used to run the streets together, but his homeboy ended up going going a completely separate route from him. You know, Jerome got into the drug game heavy. Look at him. He all decked out in the jewels and the fancy clothes and Prada, Gucci, Louis, all this stuff, right? But his homeboy, he working hard as a mechanic. And yeah, he may be hard up for money. Times may get tough, but at least he don't have to look over his shoulder all the time. So he was smart enough to get out the game, you know? So I think Jerome just wanted to come back and, and try to relive that for a minute and soak that up versus always having to be constantly paranoid about what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's just a tough situation. I don't think Jerome going to make it out, y'all. So, Ruben is going to get ready to leave the house, and we see the routine that he has to go through. Um, he meticulously leaves things, um, like doors cracked in a certain area so that he'll know if somebody has come into his house. Um, we just see his routine before he gets ready to leave the house. And so, he leaves the closet door cracked open, but it's cracked to where it shouldn't make any noise if he moves it. Okay, so keep that in mind. So, he ends up leaving, and we see him pass a few people, and we see that Teddy has eyes on him. Okay, so once Ruben gets down a certain ways down the, uh, the street, he gets the go, Teddy gets the go. So, Teddy goes in, and he's looking all around his house, and goes in his closet doesn't necessarily find anything and he closes the closet but i'm thinking that he didn't close it the way that reuben had it so of course reuben is going to know that somebody's been um staking his place out so teddy goes into the living room and he ends up finding all of these magazines these men's magazines well magazines about men okay so we know that um teddy has intel that the guy may be 
of a homosexual. So, we'll see what he does with that. In the meantime, we see Jerome. Jerome is outside the liquor store just hanging out, drinking his brown, and his pager is constantly going off, right? Um, so, guy passed him. He's like, fuck you looking at, you know. <laughs> just paranoid, right? Upset about life and how it's turned out. Um, and so the pager keeps going off. He eventually throws that thing in the trash. He, he ain't got time to be here and all that mess, okay? Um, and I did forget to mention that Franklin had finally arrived to go see, uh, to get into town with V and Cassandra. So after we see Jerome throw the pager in the trash, we have now come back to Cassandra and Mac. So Mac is telling her that, um, He's always wanted to be like his uncle. His uncle was an army ranger and he could, oh, he says that you can always tell um, how a man is by what he's wearing on his chest. And so then he goes into the story about his uncle being an army ranger and how people feared him. And so Cassandra was like, mm, I don't think that's the best way to live. And he was like, well, it's not necessarily just about people fearing you. It's about the respect that came with it. And so as he's saying that, um, we hear a car pulling up. And then Cassandra mentioned something about him being a, a good man. Okay. Because he didn't think that he, uh, he amounted to as being a, being as good of a man as his uncle was. He didn't think that he, um, he could, uh, equal up okay so Cassandra was like well you you seem like a good man to me and so as we see her say that she leans in and kisses him and he says that your daughter has arrived because we hear a car pulling up and she says yeah my daughter's come back along with my son-in-law and it seems like our time is up and so of course Franklin and them come in and he says that he's sorry to break up the mood so I think Cassandra has given him the kiss of death, just like Louis gave Franklin the kiss of death at her wedding. We know that Cassandra is still in Mac's fate at this point. So Franklin and V finally show up to the house as Mac and Cassandra are talking and they come in and Franklin Coley says to them, you know, you got people worried about you. People been looking all over for y'all. And so... V's like, don't you want to call the facility and let them know that we've been able to locate the fugitives, which I thought that was a weird, uh, <laughs> a weird name to give them at that particular point in time. But I don't know if V was trying to be funny or what. But either way, Franklin goes to make his phone call, which we know that he's probably going to call Teddy right now. So Ruben, oh, before Frank, after Franklin leaves out, Mac mentions that, um, you know, his aura and the way that he speaks and how, how he speaks reminds him of his son, Teddy. And I thought that was very ironic how they can't stand each other because both of them are so cutthroat. Um, and so then we go over to Ruben. Ruben comes home and He's fixing himself something to drink, and he's paying no never mind to his usual routine once he comes home. And so then he finally gets to his room, and he starts looking at the closet door, and I told y'all that that was going to come back. And so he sees, he notices that the door is not where he left it, so he knows that somebody's been in his room, okay? So speaking of spies being in rooms, we go over to Teddy. Teddy is talking to his handler um, and Gustavo about what he was able to find off in Ruben's house. And he says that he wasn't really able to find too much, just some men's magazine or women's magazines covering men. And he says that this seemed too personal because he mentions the magazines and the dude was like, well, what are you thinking? And so Teddy says that he doesn't think that this is a ploy because the handler was like, okay, well, do you think this is part of a persona that he's cooked up? And he was like, nah, this seems too personal. I think that him being a homosexual and where he found the magazines at that particular point in time, he believes that Ruben has something very 
deep hiding within. So, yeah. So, Teddy's going to end up using that to his advantage, I'm sure. Speaking of, we see that Teddy starts having his pager be blown up. And we know that this is Franklin. So, he finally calls Franklin back because Franklin uses the Kansas City zip code. And so, he was like, hmm, somebody's calling me from Kansas City. And so, the handler was like, isn't that your dad's area code? And so he goes to call him back and Franklin says that he's there with his dad and he's trying to figure out a good place to take him for dinner, of course, after Teddy gives him his money back. And so Teddy tries to initially put up a front and of course we know he goes through the whole thing about um, Franklin killing his dad and that's not going to work with him because him and his dad have a, a very strained relationship at this point particular point in time and so killing him is gonna make him know never mind you know and then it's only gonna make it worse for Franklin because now he's killed a a CIA agent's father okay so that's only gonna make it worse for Franklin at this point and so Franklin was like okay yeah you think that I'm just bluffing and so he tells him that he wants his money back and he doesn't care how he does it the accounts are still the same as when Teddy took it from him and so Teddy is talking trash, but then he hears his dad in the background because Franklin was like, oh, yeah, if you don't believe that I have your dad, you can just call the facility that he left with a black woman earlier today, just so you know that I'm not bluffing. And so after he hears his dad, he starts, you know, trying to plead with Franklin about giving him his money back. And he's trying to tell him that there's a whole process that's involved. He can't just give him all the money back just like that. But Franklin has nothing else to say. He says, Teddy, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me that you're going to give me my money back. All Teddy had to do at this particular point in time, even if he couldn't figure out a plan right now, is to tell Franklin that he's going to give him his money back. Just to appease him for now until he can figure something out for sure. He didn't do that. So Franklin takes it up on himself, grabs a kitchen knife, right? walks into the room because now you remember back in those days they had those long ass extension cords for the phones (laughs) takes the the phone receiver with him as he walks into the living room where his his dad teddy's dad is in the middle of a sentence y'all and stabs his dad in the neck in front of v and cassandra just like that and so of course v and cassandra are taken aback so they start get they gasp right Meanwhile, Mac falls on the floor, starts wheezing because he's gasping for air. He stabbed him in the neck, y'all. Just cold, right? And so he says, you want to talk to your dad? Talk to him. So he puts the receiver down to Mac's ear so Teddy can try to talk to him. And he's asking, Dad, are you there? Are you there? And so Franklin picks the phone back up and he says, I don't think he'll be able to talk. And so... He hangs up on him, y'all. And after he hangs up, Teddy tells the handler, I think he just killed my dad. And so Gustavo takes the phone from him. And then Franklin is just sitting there, cold, y'all, while Mac is dying on the floor if he isn't dead already. And he tells V and Cassandra to get out. So, of course, they do. As they get out, we see Franklin get up he takes the alcohol that cassandra has been using um to drink with mac for that particular day pours it coldly again (laughs) franklin does not have any type of remorse no conscience no nothing pours it on top of mac's body y'all pours a trail to the fireplace, and then throws the bottle in the fireplace to act as an accelerant for the fire that he started. So as he's walking out, we see that the place is finna get ready to go up in flames, and Franklin drives off, y'all. Oh, and before I... Because that's the way that the episode ends. But after Franklin took the phone back, He told Teddy that he's going to keep coming until Teddy gives him his money back. He's going to take out everybody that he loves. He's going to take out 
his girl next, and then he's going to take out his son. This is not going to be good, y'all. I don't think V is going to make it out. Teddy, Teddy is just as cold as Franklin is. Who's going to win this fight? Y'all, if V were smart, I would take Cassandra up on her offer and get the hell out of there until all of this blows over. Franklin is either dead, I hate to say it like that, or he's in jail. Okay, this is only going to end two ways, dead or in prison for for him at this particular point. Like, <laughs> it's no going back. There's no happy ending for him. And based off of how coldly he just killed Teddy's dad, y'all, Franklin gonna deserve what happened to him. He just cold. Just proving Cassandra all hundred ways type of right at this point. But that's how the episode ends, you guys. And I will say, y'all, I want to take a second aside for just a split second and offer prayers and condolences to the teachers or the the adults, the three adults and the three kids that lost their lives earlier today at the private school out um, in in Nashville. Y'all, what what is the world coming to? (laughs) And the crazy part is the shooter was... A female teenager. So I don't want to get too deep off in there because it makes me so emotional. But you guys, please <laughs> hug your kids, hug your loved ones. Like my niece literally had um, an active, sh- like not an active shooter, but somebody called her school like a month ago and said that they were going to come shoot up the school. So y'all, please just hug y'all people. Love on them while they still here, because you just never know. You could send your kids to school, and they not never come home. They come home in a box. So, yeah. I'm sorry to end on that note, you guys, but I just had to put that out there, because I was in the middle of doing this episode, and then I just started getting text messages asking, was my son okay, because he's in school. So, yeah. Love on y'all people while they still here. That's it. That's all. Um... Let me know what you think about the episode. You can reach me at Menu TV Reviews on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also reach me at My TV, TV Reviews Podcast without the S on the end at gmail.com. Um, if you have any other show recommendations, please let me know. Um, I'm going to try to do Swarm along with Power and Your Honor and um, ooh, Snowfall and Godfather Parlum. So that's all I have for you guys. I love y'all. I really do. And I say that with my whole heart. Please um, rate and review if you haven't already. If you have, thank you so much. Okay. For everything that you do. For continuing to come back to support your girl. Week in and week out. I definitely do appreciate you guys. I couldn't do this without you. Um, So until we meet over the airwaves again. I am Mo. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.